Uh, also, because it's audio only, let's try not to talk over one another. Okay. Do I get to tell professional actors that? <laughs> yes. I need to tell you guys how we're going to do this. Don't okay. talk over one yeah. another. Actually, just Don't give step me, on our lives. Give me real direction. Like, give me an accent or an attitude. <laughs> Good eye. Tonight, I'm here with Laura. All right. Are we recording? We are, but I am. <laughs> And you have 10 things to tell. This show is about connection with each other and with ourselves. And the hope is that the things we talk about here will be fuel for better conversations and a personal awareness. This is an interactive podcast. Each episode has a prompt and a topic that I want you to take to your journal, text to your best friend, or answer on social media using the hashtag 10 things to tell you. This is a show about digging deeper and sharing our stuff. I'll go first. Welcome friends to this very special episode of the 10 things to tell you podcast. Special because I get to talk with one of my closest friends, Jenna Fisher, and with her best friend, Angela Kinsey, for a full hour all about friendship and partnership and their new project together, the brand new podcast called Office Ladies that premieres on October 16th. Everyone go subscribe right now. Jenna, as my friend, has always been so enthusiastic about the 10 Things to Tell You podcast. She has really cheered me on and been so generous in sharing this show. And so I am super, super excited to be able to reciprocate that and just tell everyone about her new podcast, Office Ladies. Now, you probably know Jenna and Angela best from their days acting on the mega hit, the cult classic, one of the biggest TV shows of all time, The Office, where Jenna played Pam Beasley, Angela played Angela Martin. They met making that show, and they have been best friends ever since. As The Office took off, as they both became mothers, and in recent years on their many various TV and film projects. But now they've teamed up and they're creating a new venture together, a podcast that will be a watch-along show for every episode of The Office, sharing stories and memories and behind-the-scenes moments on set. But it will also be a conversation between best friends and just their normal, hilarious banter that we all already love them for. On our episode here today, we wanted to talk about friendship because all of us know how hard it can be to make friends as an adult. It is a constant juggle in all the demands of life, and I just wanted to know how they do it, what has kept their relationship so strong over the years, what it's like now to be in a working partnership with a friend. We also cover 
the dynamics in friendship in childhood and when fame is involved, when aspects of your life change, what that looks like. Now, two stories about how I met these wonderful women. These are really super LA stories. I just want to warn you. Jenna and I met on the first day of preschool over four years ago. Our sons are the same age and they were starting preschool together. And on that first day, which is kind of chaotic and emotional anyway, I spotted Jenna across the room. And because her face was so familiar to me, everything about her, I felt like I already knew. I mistook her not for a famous actress who has been on my TV screen for years, but for a friend or like a mom acquaintance from the school. And so I greeted her as if we were old buddies. I went right in for a hug. Yes, I did. I said, how was your summer? And she very graciously returned my hug. And then she was like, I'm Jenna. It's nice to meet you. And I almost died on the spot. I knew right when I started to hug her is when I sort of realized, oh, I don't actually know her. This is an actress. But it was too late. She was so nice about it. It was so awkward. But we have been actual friends ever since. I happened to meet Angela a few years before that preschool cringeworthy moment. Angela and I were at a holiday party one year at a friend's house. I had on this fancy rompery thing. And as soon as we made the connection that we were from the same part of the country, her family now lives in Texas, not far from where I grew up in Oklahoma. And so we started swapping stories and she made me laugh so hard that I literally peed in my romper like a baby at this nice party. That is how hilarious she is, not just on screen, but in real life. And As luck would have it, though, recording this podcast episode, this was the first time that we have seen each other since that pee romper incident. Both women, who I separately had very ridiculous first meetings with, they were so great to sit down with me to talk through one of my favorite topics, friendship, and I am so excited for their new show, Office Ladies. Make sure that you go into your favorite podcast app now and subscribe. It debuts October 16th. You will not want to miss one episode. Also, make sure and follow both of them on Instagram. They are so funny there. Jenna also wrote a book that is just really, really great called The Actor's Life, A Survival Guide. I will link to all of this stuff in the show notes so that you can find everything you need. You could always find our show notes at 10thingstotellyou.com slash podcast. And now to one of my very favorite conversations of the year thus far with Jenna Fisher and Angela Kinsey, creators and stars of the new podcast, Office Ladies. Okay, so the, the main thing that we're going to talk about today, the main sort of focus on this episode is adult friendship, mm-hmm. which is something you and I have talked about a lot Mm -hmm. over the time and like something I just hear from people online or in you know my even real life friends just like how hard it is to make good girlfriends as adults and I've even written sort of extensively about my own period of loneliness in Los Angeles just even though I've always had a lot of friends in my life it's it's harder in adulthood I think this city in particular is really hard and we'll get to that but Let's just sort of start as an overall. Have you guys always 
had friends? Like, what was your friendship like in early life? Was it easy for you to have friends? Or have you always, like, sort of picked and chosen a smaller group? Just give me a general. Well, I was thinking about this because I've always had one close friend. I was sort of looking at my childhood elementary school friends. I always seem to have this one best friend and then a couple of other peripheral friends. And the peripheral friends seem to be the daughters of my mom's friends or the daughters of the girls in my church group, that sort of thing. But then independent from that group of girls who I would do sleepovers with in elementary school, I always had this one best friend. I have no memory of meeting or making these friends. So my first best friend was Beth Vogt. And then my second best friend was Lauren Doucette. And then my next best friend was Cheryl Beanie. I don't know where I met any of these girls. And Beth stopped being my best friend because she moved away. And Lauren stopped being my best friend because she moved away. And then Cheryl and I, we stopped being best friends because we got into like some weird puberty girl stuff. And then I moved to a different school. So it was just sort of like, I can't remember meeting or making any of these friends. A, A lot of them were in my neighborhood. So I don't know. Like I remember riding bikes with them. I could walk to their houses and we went to the same schools. Um, And you were just a party of two? (laughs) Yeah, we were just besties. You know, I just always would have this one very best friend. And then there would be like that larger circle. Like I remember this whole group of girls that were all the daughters of my mom's church friends. The moms would sit in the kitchen and do whatever they were doing, lunching or something. And then the daughters would play Barbies or color, or we would have a group play dates, I guess. But I thought of all those girls as my friends and I went to their birthday parties and I saw them at school, but I feel like that they were friends by circumstance. Mm -hmm. Whereas these other girls, they were my best friends because we really bonded. Like we somehow found each other. And I always had this one best friend, and I told everything to that best friend. And we had, you know, that was us. Okay, that tracks with what I know you as an adult, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's okay. kind of true. Angela? Well, my husband says I'm a collector of people that I will go somewhere and be like, we're going to be best friends. Oh, my God, come on in. But I generally have, like, a pretty deep bench, if you will, like a big group. And then I have two core. Two or like one or two core people. And that's been my whole life. And I grew up overseas. I grew up in Indonesia and I lived there 12 years for my dad's job. And I had a really amazing best friend from Australia. And one of the heartbreaks of my life is that we stayed in touch. We were pen pals after I left Indonesia for a long time. And there was a year that my letter came back, address unknown. And this was before the internet Her name is Kate Livingston. Well, it was Kate Livingston and her sister, Sarah. And I don't know where Kate is in the world anymore. And I like have thought of her for years and years and years. I even saved the last letter I ever got from her. But she was my childhood friend. And one of the things when I moved from Indonesia to the U.S., it felt like such a final goodbye in so many ways. I had friends there that were Indonesian and um, from other countries. And I just knew instinctively how hard it was going to be. This is 
this, you know, I'm old, so it predates the internet and ways people stayed in touch. And so I felt like I dealt with this loss of a friendship early in my life. And it sort of affected how I made friends moving forward that I, I just cherished them. And I just, I just know that, you know, Jen and I were talking about this earlier this morning, that chapters of your life can come. And some people are going to weather the storm of that chapter and some people aren't. And I feel like Kate Livingston wouldn't still be here today if I could find her. But she was she was such an amazing friend to me. But so I do feel like with each chapter of my life, I've had someone that was like a core person that got me through those chapters. But then I've also had people that sustained all the way through. And I, I think that's something that I'm learning about friendship and continuing to learn about friendship is that some people are the long term and some people come at different places where you're at and they can't move with you for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. I had friends when I got pregnant. I don't know about you guys, but when I became a new mom with a newborn, I was all of a sudden unavailable in a way that I'd never been before. Mm -hmm. And I had some friends that just stopped inviting me to things. So I encourage you, if you have friends that are new moms, invite them to the party, even if they can't come, because eventually they'll be able to come. They'll figure it out. But sometimes it's like, it's, you just want the invite even to the party you know you can't go to. And some people, they can see past that chapter you're going through. They can see past it and know they'll find you on the other side. I don't think that's for everyone, though. I think some people can't. You are telling me that when you became really well-known, that Kate Livingston did not come out of the woodwork? <laughs> I don't know that she can find me. I don't know how to find her. Yeah. I told my mom, I was like, gosh, I just hope someday you get a letter from her because my parents' address has never changed. And that was the last place I got a letter from her. And then I also hope that she's okay in the world, you know, mm -hmm. because I, I've just thought about her so much. I think a lot of times, especially with childhood friendships, you have to rely on your parents yeah. to navigate keep the communication. Because when my first best friend, Beth, when she moved away, that was it. She just moved. Yeah. And then she didn't live in that house anymore. And there were no letters, no nothing. It was really abrupt. Yeah. But then when Lauren moved away, I was a little older and I think I was able to articulate, I want to stay in touch with this person. Mm -hmm. And I flew to Boston. I did that thing where you fly by yourself. Mm -hmm. And I flew to Boston and stayed with her family for a week. And then she flew to back to Missouri and she went down to my lake house with me. Mm -hmm. And we wrote each other letters. And then eventually high school happened. And I think that... For me in high school is when I started making friends that I'm still, I'm still friends with my high school friends. That was when I had a group of four friends. Mm -hmm. I had one best friend and then there was another pair of best friends and the four of us were a quartet and we're still in touch today. I think that groups are key for being in touch, even in the age of social media, because when it's just two people somebody's going to drop the ball or someone's going to be maybe not as invested or whatever right. over time. But in a group, there's always like one person, right? That sort of like rallies everyone. They're rallies yeah. together. And yeah. maybe people even take turns in the group doing yeah. being the rallying. There's more statistical chance that yes. you're going to stay right, in right. touch for there's some There's more accountability. Yeah. yeah. And I've always been friends in groups. I remember my, my first little 
group kind of club thing was in the third grade. And I'm from a really small town. So you, you know, it's like cradle to grave there. So I, you know, I know that I knew those girls all the way through graduation. We did not stay in that same group, but we were in the same school. So, you know, and as I got into middle school and high school, I also had different groups of friends. Again, this is so small. So everybody knows everybody. Then when I went to college, I was in a sorority. Okay, sororities get a bad rap for lots what, of legitimate wait, reasons. What sorority? I was a theta. I was a chi omega. <gasps> oh. The chi omegas were across the street from the theta. I am. you. See, this is weird for me because <laughs> I am not. I am not a good candidate for a sorority. <laughs> I'm like the opposite of a sorority. But you two are mm-hmm. two of my best adult friends. Mm-hmm. Jenna, we would have been friends because I would have done theater with you, and you would have been my theater friend, and you would have been my <laughs> sorority sister. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And, and also, like, in my friends, I realized that I value funny. Borderline above all else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Someone's got to make me laugh. Get me through life. I mean, I really do like but I don't, I'm not the funny one, but I always tend to choose a funny friend. I don't know. It's just my, my thing. I have married a funny man. Like, I like funny. I think if you're not in a sorority, it's very easy to say, like, that would not be for me. And I can see, like, why you would say that. There's, like, completely valid criticisms to the sorority model, but but there's some good things about it, I think. I think it's just, we were just talking about what I'm attracted to. I'm attracted to a lone friend. Like, a group of friends is just not sort of my jam. Like, Mm -hmm. that idea of, like, group, I don't know. I should say that I was on probation in my sorority. (laughs) For poor attendance record. The sorority thing at a state school that is so big, you know, 30,000 people at this school or whatever, it's just the fastest way to community. Mm-hmm. Like, it's yes, just... Yes, it, I, And I get that. It's, mm-hmm. the, it seems almost necessary. It's necessary. Yeah. It's necessary. And then within the, the sorority, I was shy and introverted and whatever. So, like, to have instant community was, like, fantastic for me. And then within the sorority, which is huge, I mean, there was more than 200 girls in my sorority Mm -hmm. so then within that you find like your smaller group within this bigger thing and that has always been my preferred way to be in relationship in a small group with some kind of umbrella thing that's bonding us and I didn't realize this like sort of thread until recently because now I've made a really wonderful group of mom friends in my kids' school. So that's the same thing. We have this umbrella thing, these Mm -hmm. meetings we have to go to, Mm -hmm. these like school things that we're always stuck at. But you know, then I have my small group within that because, because when I moved to Los Angeles and it was a completely untethering, there was no umbrella of anything. Like it's just, you're on your own in the wilderness to make friends and have relationships. I couldn't do it. Like, I was like, I don't understand the rules here. I was used to being in a sorority or or church life or small town life. Like, you see each other a certain amount of times per week just by, like, the nature of the thing mm-hmm. you're all in. Mm-hmm. So when I didn't have any kind of rules around relationship, I was like, I don't, it's, like, really hard for me to understand. Am I supposed to just ask you to eat? Or, like, what are we, how, the, are, how the are we friends? Of a friendship. I have yeah. to, I've told Jenna many times, I know I've, like, we, we do a thing where we leave each other a message almost every single day. A message, like 12, 12 messages. messages. <laughs> almost every single day, no matter where we are in the world or in our lives. And I mean, I will get a little emotional if I talk too much about it, but there have been many times that Jenna's messages are like a life anchor for me. 
just hearing her voice. And I know I've said to you, it's so good to hear your voice today. Just hear your voice. And we've left each other messages like, I miss your voice. Oh my God, you left me messages today. I can't wait to hear them. And I am so proud. I told my husband this. I was like, I am so proud of how hard Jenna and I have worked to keep our friendship current and stay in touch with each other. I fully know her life, even if I'm not able to physically be there. And it is a labor of love to just maintain this friendship because it's such a joy in my life. And I know I have, at different phases of my life, not understood how to maintain a friendship and really nurture it the way you should and put the work in. And I'm just so proud of us, Jenna, because life gets really busy. And I remember I was working on a job in Israel and you were working on a job in London and we would leave each other messages every day. Yeah. And I knew your life in London and you knew what I was doing in Israel for nine days. And, yeah. and I'm so, and now we're here in the same city and we're getting to work together again. And it's, it is work. It's such a rewarding work to stay in that place where you can maintain a friendship. And I think I've had to learn along the way, my friends that are tried and true and there for the long term. I do the same. I have two friends from growing up and, you know, my family always had a place in Archer City, Texas very small town. And I have my, my gal pals from Archer City, Texas that I stay in touch with. And I have two friends from college. So you sort of like have your groups that you stay friends with. And then I have Jenna and, and Mika, my friend Michael, who I call Mika, who are literally the two people I have to bounce everything off of in life. And their perspectives could not be more different. I mean, Michael is married to Tobias. They have been uh, together for... I don't know, 20 something years. And then Jenna, you know, like Michael doesn't have children. He's often jokes. He's like, I don't really care for children except for your daughter. (laughs) So they're very different perspectives on life. And I treasure them both. Can I just clarify for my own curiosity? When you say you leave one another messages, like what, like voicemails? Well, we have an app. You do that to me all the time, Jenna, with the audio yeah, we do audio memos because you can just sort of we call it rambling, and I'll say I'm gonna like leave you a rambly, and that's what we call it. Yeah, and we just ramble on and on. Now these messages might be about a work related thing, or it might be like, listen, I have five pairs of underwear in my underwear drawer that are just pathetic, and I threw them away today, and I'm really proud of that. You know, I was holding on to them. The the elastic was a little droopy. I don't know why I was holding on to these five pairs of underwear. I'm telling you, our messages can be that or it can be, hey, I need your advice because my dad is sick and I need to go home and I don't know how to navigate that with my daughter. Like, they're, they're, they they range all they of that. Mm-hmm. And we don't always respond to the thing that the person said. Like, I don't need to leave Angela a response about her underwear message. Right. You're just like, got I it. I just listen to it. Mm-hmm. And we may never discuss it ever. But you know it. We yeah. call it, we sometimes say it's our way of journaling. We journal out loud. To one another. Mm-hmm. Okay, so to your friendship, can you tell me the story of... Where you met, I kind of always just assumed it was on set, but maybe it wasn't. Like the story, kind of first impressions, and then like on a set with a lot of people, other actors, gajillion workers, why you why you stuck together, why it stood out. Well, I know what Jenna's going to say. 
She would not stop talking to me. She said I wore her out. She did. <laughs> she just started conversations with me constantly all day, every day. And she was funny. And she was also the only woman who, we were closest in age, mm-hmm. I should say. There were other women around, but we were the closest in age. And we, were, we both had the same job. We were both actors. So there were some female writers, but a lot of them were younger. And there were some female producers, but they were very busy producing. So here was the other female who was my age who we had a lot of downtime together. And also it might have been a little bit of uh, logistics because we sat, we sat next to each other. On the set of The Office, there was a partition between us. And the only woman next to me was Jenna. I would stand up and turn around and talk to Jenna over the partition. So very close proximity, I think. Yeah, proximity. Yeah, it was a location ship. (laughs) <laughs> but uh, but also, I just found her delightful because she had no pretense. What you see is what you get. And I absolutely hate anyone who's pretentious. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Can I just say that? Like, I just don't give a crap about the Hollywood thing. I just don't. And I don't know if that's my parents. They just, mm-hmm. my mom would say, I could give a rip. That's what my mom would say. Um, Whether you are in a super busy season of life, or don't want to make multiple weekly trips to the grocery store, or just want to change up your meal routine, there is no better time to try Factor. I'm excited to partner with Factor this year because no one likes not having to cook dinner every night more than I do. Factor is a ready-to-eat meal delivery service that makes eating better every day easy. Each meal is cooked fresh and is never frozen, with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, Keto, and more. Each Factor meal is pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved There are 35 different options to choose from every week, plus an additional 60 add-ons to fill you up in between meals as well. All you have to do is heat your meal in the microwave for two minutes and then enjoy restaurant-quality food. Heat and eat, and that's it. These meals come right to your door, and you can also pause or reschedule your delivery anytime. There is no prep, no cooking, and no cleanup. What more can I ask for? Head to factormeals.com slash tell50 and use code tell50 to get 50% off. That's code tell50, T-E-L-L, then the numbers five zero at factor, F-A-C-T-O-R, meals, M-E-A-L-S, dot com slash tell50 to get 50% off. There are so many deodorant brands and products out there that it can take a lot of work to keep them all straight. But have you ever wondered if there could be one deodorant product for your whole body? Say hello to Lumi. Lumi is the first of its kind in the full body deodorant world. It was created by an OBGYN who saw firsthand how regular body odor was being misdiagnosed and mistreated. My favorite part about Lumi deodorant is that it's baking soda and paraben-free. It is also pH-balanced for safe use on all areas of your body. And unlike other deodorants that try to mask odor with a fragrance, Lumi is formulated with mandelic acid to stop odor before it starts. It's more of a pre-odorant, if you will. Lumi's starter pack is perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, two free products of your choice like a mini body wash or deodorant wipes, and free shipping. As a special offer for listeners, new customers get $5 off a Lumi starter pack with code TELL at lumideodorant.com. That equates to 40% off your starter pack when you visit Lumi, L-U-M-E, 
deodorant, D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T, dot com and use code TELL, T-E-L-L. Now, back to the show. Um, no, you were normal. You were. That was the thing that I liked about you, was that you were a normal person. You liked doing normal things. Yeah. And as and we met not being successful. We yeah. had, were both just struggling actors who got on the show. And then as the show became successful and all of these crazy things started happening to us, you were such a partner in all of that. Mm-hmm. It was like, okay, you guys are going to an award show. What? And we were like, what? A fitting, a red carpet. Mm-hmm. What do we, how do we do it? And we just... We found it together. You were like my other normal person to do all of this stuff with. And it happened to us at the same time. We grew up in it together. So it's, it, Jenna feels like a childhood friend to me because there was this huge journey that we went on and I had no one to talk to about it, but her that fully understood it, every aspect of it, how it affected my family, how it affected my other friendships, how it affected my life, like all of it, Jenna got it. And Mm -hmm. we still have that shorthand with each other. I don't know. I mean, really, there's probably three people in my life that I feel like fully get it, you know? And, And Jenna's one of those people. Did you feel like in Los Angeles, there is a constant undercurrent of competition? So when the show got successful... Did you have other actor friends where that dynamic shifted a little and so it was easier to turn inward to each other? Am I projecting that onto you? Well, I was really lucky. I had this one girlfriend who I had met in an improv class and she was sort of my other best friend. Like I said, I always sort of have like this one main person. And it's funny because I remember... I was in therapy at the time and I remember telling my therapist, oh, there's this woman in my improv class and she's really funny and I really like her. How do you make a friend? How do I make friends with her? Do I invite her to lunch? And I remember having all this anxiety because in the past I had made friends through theater companies or like doing a play together or, you know, theater school or whatever. And so, but then once I moved to Los Angeles, I started taking these theater classes, but we weren't doing a play. So the only time you saw the people were in the actual class. There was no like extracurricular activity. So I worked really hard to make this one friend in this improv class. And she was my sort of main friend as the show started blowing up. And she didn't want to be an actor. She was in the improv class for fun. She was a producer. And so she really weathered the success of the show with me. Like she could not have been more excited. I was able to call her and tell her all kinds of things that I think bumped other people in my life. So I could call her and say, oh my gosh, you aren't going to believe this. I just got sent a free facial. I get to go get a free facial at like the coolest place in LA. And it was probably like the maybe first or second facial you'd ever had in your life. Ever had in my life. Yeah. It was the first facial I'd ever had in my life. Yeah, I'd never had a facial before until I was on the office and like... One of our makeup people were like, you should have a facial. I was like, what? This was like I got sent a coupon for a free facial. Mm-hmm. And, and is that passive aggressive that they're like, maybe you should try a facial? <laughs> probably. We probably had blackheads. Our skin probably looked horrible. Yeah, it's okay. But, but you know what? I was a struggling actor. I certainly wasn't going to spend extra money on my face. Like, 
Are you kidding? Only that, your bread and butter. That's gas. <laughs> no, but, and I remember the conversation with her of her being like, are you kidding me? You're going to have to tell me all about it. She was super excited. And my other best friend at the time was my sister, who's always been one of my best friends. And she was similarly unthreatened. So both of my two closest relationships before Angela, as the show was kind of blowing up, were very confident, independent, like they had their own lives and their own interests and they were not threatened by what was happening to me. But I did find that after the show became successful, it was very hard for me to make new friends. That, for whatever reason, people have a lot of baggage around well, they, they fame all... more than anything. I don't think, it, less success and more about famousness. Wait, so are you saying... I'm asking you non-famous person to famous person. When you say it was hard to make friends after the show did really well, do you think that's other people having like feelings about it? Because I've always felt like that people who become really famous, like suddenly have, and this is completely legitimate, have trust questions. Do you know what I mean? Like, they really need to surround themselves with people who aren't going to sell anything to the tabloids, who aren't going to, you know, tweet some spoilery something or other. Do you know what I mean? So, like, and I'm sure it's mutual. Like, I'm not. No, I feel How like, did you perceive it? Well, it was more like, and I do this to famous people all the time. So, like, you're at a party or something, and there's one famous person. No one talks to them. No one wants to bother them. No one wants. So it's like, it's hard to even have the first conversation. But that's, that's because being respectful. People being respectful. Yes, but that's a way that it's difficult to make friends. And then, because my radar is pretty good for whether a person is on the up and up or if they're not. So I don't walk around like wondering, oh no, how intimate, I'm worried about this. You know right away if a person is approaching you. Jenna's radar is a lot better than mine. I'm a little bit more like my dad. Like my dad, I remember like telemarketers would call my dad and my mom would be like, who are you on the phone to? My dad would be like, a really nice man from India. And listen, I gave him my social security number and my mom would be like, what? Hang up the phone. Like, so I'm a little bit more like my dad. And I'm, and, and I think one of the things I love about Jenna is she reminds me a lot of my mom, who's just a little bit, uh, just, you know, she's just a little bit more savvy to the world. But um, it, it is hard because I think what happens is that people project whatever their impression of being on a show or fame or whatever. I know this is sort of a weird thing to say. I always feel weird talking about it. But people project on you. And it doesn't even matter if you're an actor. Like, I have friends that, um, one of my really good friends from home, works in a hospital. And the way they talk about some of the doctors, she's a nurse. You know, it's like, whatever it is within your occupation, sometimes there's someone in your office or in your social circle that you project things on that might not be accurate. Or you do it because they're a little bit removed from you in some way. And I think this is a really good point, because if I ever find out that anyone's a therapist, I don't make them my friend. Is that weird?
Yes. See, why? you're projecting on because them. Maybe I know. Your therapist, therapists are like, we need friends too. I know. I just, it just occurred to me that there's a bunch of therapists out there who are really lonely because I worry that like they're going to analyze you. Yeah, that they that they are like seeing deeply into me and all mm-hmm. of my quirks and mm-hmm. all of my neuroses. I can't relax around them. Yeah, you don't think Angela and I see your quirks and neuroses? You oh. do, but it's in a less academic way. It's more <laughs> loving. Yes, exactly. Can I tell a kind of a vulnerable story about you? And you can tell me if you don't want me to okay. leave this in. But I remember when you and I were new friends. This was years ago, and. I was telling you about a mom's night out from our preschool moms, and you said, I wasn't invited. And I was like, no, no, everybody, like, it was a mom's night out, like, everybody was invited. And you were like, Laura, like, I wasn't invited. And I remember standing in your kitchen and being like, what? Nobody wanted to be the person who texted me. Nobody wanted to to approach you, first of all. And nobody wanted you to feel like it is respectful on our end. I understand why it's not on your, why it doesn't feel that way to you. But like, I don't want to force her to say no. I don't want to put her in an awkward position to be like, I'm not going to your preschool mom's night out, ladies. Which I know is not. Which is like, what is that? And then I remember being really sort of heard about it because I said, am I giving off a very unapproachable impression? Because I feel like Lee and I, we host play dates all the time. We reach out. We try to host swim parties. You we, hug on the first day. I hug on the first day. <laughs> I am always introducing myself. I participate in the classes. I try to be very friendly. But I notice that, you know, Something, for example, that doesn't happen to me that I think happens to other moms is people wait for me to initiate the play date and then they reciprocate. Same. I don't have a lot of moms who reach out and offer the first play date. I fully believe that because I'm on the other side of that. I would never reach out to a well-known person for a play date. Unless it was already established through our kids. You know, in case there was already some kind of rapport there that was undeniable. But I wouldn't, like, cold call it ever in 1,000 years. And I, you know, know a lot of famous people, acquaintance-wise, mm-hmm. that I give them way more, like, space and distance than I would to, like, another mom. So it's it's just a miss. I do think it's people attempting to be respectful, but I have seen through my friendship with you that it is lonely. Like it ends up, you feel like you're like, I'm the only one that wasn't invited. Yeah. So instead of feeling like an elevated celebrity, you feel like I'm the only one that wasn't invited. Well, also, I'm not interested in, in being a celebrity. Yeah. I'm interested in being a mom at the school. And when I introduce myself, I introduce myself as Jenna Kirk, my child's mom. I don't go by Jenna Fisher in my private life. And so... I know, but that doesn't mean we don't know that you're Jenna Fisher. I know, but I guess it's just... When I'm at the school, I'm not thinking about being Jenna Fisher. Is it bad that I walk behind you going, It's Jenna Fisher! <laughs> I mean, it doesn't... Jenna Fisher! It doesn't she help. She was nominated for an Emmy! I mean, it's what I pay you for, but it doesn't help. Okay, Jenna pays me to be her friend. I'm just kidding. Um, no, I pay no. you to holler yeah. my name. Just to holler your name. That's so that it. people notice. It's not a lot of money. But I, I take it. I do agree. This is not like a woe is celebrities conversation no. by any means. Because I agree with what Angela said in that I have one of my dearest, oldest friends from my small hometown 
is chief of staff surgeon at her mm-hmm. hospital. That but, made me think of it when you said that. And I know that she experiences the same thing. It's like people assume that she wouldn't deign to like go to their night out, their mom's mm-hmm. night out. And it's just the same thing. No matter There's what a hierarchy everywhere. Whatever community you're in, there is a hierarchy. My, I love my oldest sister, Billy Joe. Her name is Billy Joe, guys. My mom and dad like named her after themselves. My dad's name was Bill. Uh, we called him Billy. And um, my mom's middle name is Joe. So my oldest sister is Billy Joe. She calls me all the time about stuff at work. And we sort of like talk it out and navigate it. Just like every office space workplace has their own politics and hierarchy and how that then spills over even into the school stuff because sometimes you go to school with those same parents. So, But that's true in schools. Like, I bet, are the teachers inviting the principal for their teacher's drinks? Well, I'll right? tell you. Like, right. isn't, isn't that a very isolating I volunteered. position as well to be the principal of the school or the sure. boss of the office? I feel like I have a hard time anymore I used to not, and I don't know if this is like just aging, so I'd be very curious to see what you guys out there think about this, but I used to be really, really up for big group gatherings and taking people into my life, and as I get older, all I want to do is reconnect and spend time with my sisters and my mom, and maybe it's because my father passed away a few years ago, and like all I want to do now when I have free time is connect with my sisters and my mom and like this core group. And, you know, Jenna is obviously top tier. (laughs) You're top tier, Jenna. But like, I I was just talking to my friend, Michael, who I call Mika, who I love so much. And I said, Mika, what's up with me? I feel like there's a shift in my life that I feel about making new friends right now. It's not that I'm like against it and he goes he goes oh honey he goes you're just not taking applications anymore (laughs) you know how he talks yes and he goes I just don't think you're taking any more applications and I was like I don't know I just I I don't know if it's because I'm 48 I do feel the sense that like life is short in a new way that I haven't felt Mm -hmm. in a while since my father passed away and I just really when I have free time I just want to build up the people that are long-term, hardcore, tried and true. And I went through a little bit of a heartbreak after, I don't know, I guess about season three of The Office with some friendships that I had. And my mom was like, you know, I I called her and I was just so sad that I felt like some of my friendships weren't going through this chapter with me. And she said, Angela, I really encourage you to invest in those who invest in you. And it really stuck with me. And I did a reassessment. I sort of looked around at these friends that were always there for me, no matter what, no matter what. Because there are friends that, like, I lost because of my divorce. And even, like, when I had a baby, because I just wasn't available. There were, like, friends that were, like, more of your hangout friends. And all of a sudden, you couldn't hang out, you know. And again, this... out, but not starting at 10 p.m. No, no. <laughs> I, I got a lot of those invitations. Yeah. And I was like, guys, can the birthday start at 7? <laughs> yes. I remember saying to you, Jenna, I was like, I would love to see you at 4 p.m. That would be amazing. <laughs> and you said to me after you had kids, you were like, oh my God, Angela, 
There are anytime, like, after I had kids, anytime anyone sent me an invitation that started past 8 o'clock, I was just furious. Yes. But you, I remember I was having this conversation. You're like, after you had your son, you called me and you left me like this long message. And you're like, I just want you to know. When I used to invite you to dinner at 8 o'clock, I want to apologize I for did. That. I said I didn't know. I know now. Yeah. I actually, I remember leaving that message because I said, thank you for continuing to be my friend. <laughs> I didn't know. I, I, because that was a chapter of our friendship that we weathered. And it wasn't even particularly difficult, but... Right when you had your daughter, I was falling in love with Lee. You, and you know, when you fall in love with someone, mm-hmm. it becomes all about that person. So you had the love of your life and your daughter, mm-hmm. and I had found my partner. And you were living the chapter I like to call your sexy life. I did have where a, I had my sexy you life. Had your sexy we life. We were having margaritas I at know. nine o'clock. And I know. And you would be like, Angela, listen, we want to like go have drinks on the beach. And watch the sunset. And I'm like, okay, that's a 40-minute drive for me. <laughs> um, okay, I can't. Okay, Isabel takes a nap at, okay. Mm, mm, that was the most incompatible our lives have ever been. I think so. That period of time. And we made time. it. But we, we made, made it. it. We made it. And it was, you know, you waited. You were like, I think she's going to like turn into a normal person again. I, I remember going with you. Jenna and her husband were looking at houses, and there was this house they loved. And I went to it, and I was like, this is a death trap for a toddler, this whole house. Like, I, we bought it. You bought it. Yeah, and it I, was I, up on a hill with uh-huh. rickety stairs Stair- and a lot of glass. And it, so much It was glass. a very sexy house, you used to I, say. I said, this is your sexy house, but the minute you have a kid, you're going to have to move. And you're like, Angela, we love this house. And I was like, okay, I'm just telling you, I'm not bringing my daughter here. <laughs> and then and then, and then, then we had, had our son in that house, moved. and we moved. Yeah. We 100% moved. But I think all friendships go through phases that can be more trying. And Jenna and I are no exception to that. Like, we have weathered some storms within our friendship. And it's usually just circumstantial, environmental. It's not you and I at our core. It's like, oh, I have a baby. I'm not going to see you basically for two years. (laughs) Unless you come over and watch me breastfeed. I want you to know, Jenna and I had lunch every single day in the office. I mean, literally, almost every single day. And there is a whole chapter of our lives where she had lunch with me while I was pumping. She intimately knows. Like, I remember you looking at me one day and saying, oh, your left boob makes a lot more than the other. And I'm like, I know. I'm getting lopsided. It's a thing. But we were so there for each other through all of that. That's true. That is real friendship when you can call out breast milk quantity Production. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's true. Well, also, I mean, we've, is this too much to say? We can edit it out if you don't want to. Sometimes the only minute you can get alone is while you're peeing. All the time. So we will leave each other our rambly messages. Mm-hmm. And be like, and I, listen, I'm peeing. You're going to hear that. But I need to tell you this. This is the only 45 seconds I have. And truly, I hear messages. And I'm sure you've heard messages with a little tinkle sound in the background. <laughs> Not only that, Jenna. Sometimes <laughs> there's no tinkle sound. But I know you're in the bathroom just from the echo. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes I'll pee. I'll get it out. But I'll hide in the bathroom yeah. to finish my message. Yeah. I can. I have called Jenna from a family reunion in Texas from the bathroom. And I'm like, listen, this might be the only time I'm alone. I'm in a bathroom at China Lakes. China Lakes cabins. 
Well, you know, can we say we we formed our own company and we called it Ramble. Because based on our rambly messages. Yes. So our company name is Ramble. Which we love because this is like how we've been able to stay friends for years and years with life being crazy. Yeah. Well, tell me about your new company. Like, tell me what, you know, you guys are working on. You sort of hinted for a long time on social media about this project you were working on together. And now we can talk about it. Yes. Yeah. I'd love to hear a little bit more of the origin of it. Like, had you guys always thought you might do something like this together? Or did it just sort of spring up naturally? And then what it is like give me give me that whole thing well for years we've been joking that we want to take over the fourth hour of the today show after kathy lee and hoda retire and then kathy lee <laughs> left re- then kathy lee retired and no one called i know no one but that would have been tough. <laughs> no one thought of us that would have been tough because we would have been like hoda we're we're coming in and i love hoda well we just loved working together so much And that was a period that we had to adjust, right? Because we were used to seeing each other every day. And then it's like, well, how do we keep this friendship going when we're not in person all the time? Right. That was kind of the thing you talked about is that you were used to having your friendships maintained by your church group or your sorority. But now you have to maintain them on your own. And how do you do that with life and kids and work and And all of it? Mm -hmm. And it's hard, actually. I think I find it to be hard because if you're, you know, trying to work on your marriage and trying to get a career going and trying to do all these things, you're like... Uh, maintaining friendships is it sometimes isn't at the top of the list. Yeah. Well, I guess bottom line is that we have daydreamed about working together again, and we always sort of daydreamed about it being a talk show, a televised talk show. Wait, I'm touching Jenna's shoulder. You guys can't see me. I'm touching Why? her shoulder. What? Because you have to say what Rain used to always say about us, Rain Wilson. Jenna and I would talk all day on set. In between scenes, we'd be like, chit chat, chit chat, chit chat. Then we'd go have lunch, chit chat, chit chat. Then we would get in our cars. We were leaving work. We'd been together for like 10 hours. And we'd get in our cars and we would talk the whole car ride home and literally be like, okay, I'm in my driveway. Okay, well, that's when we could say all the stuff that we knew we could say because no one could overhear us. Exactly. So that was like the super private space We was had the drive home. We had second convo, second convo. Yeah. But um, Rain was like, looked at us one day and goes, what else is there to talk about? You guys just talk all the time. Yeah. He was he like, said, we sound like a bunch of chickens. Cluck, 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 just cluck. on and on. Yeah. He's like, enough already. And then he was like, you guys should have a talk show. You love talking so much. So we thought that was our vision was that we would someday have this talk show, but it would be later in life. And then, and then we both, all of a sudden this year, we're both available for the first time since the office like neither of us contractually were obligated to anything and we were like oh my gosh this is kind of our moment to do something and And we talked about should Mm -hmm. we try to pitch a talk show like is Mm -hmm. this the moment should we try to do that but we just weren't I don't know it seemed huge to us. It yeah. seemed really big. And, and it I, seemed like a too big of a shift or something. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing is I had sort of gone to Jenna because I was pretty heartbroken because for the last three years, I have been working out of L.A. A lot of television now, and, and you know because you live here, it films in Vancouver or Atlanta or Toronto, New Orleans. And I'm super thankful that I keep working at 48 in Hollywood. Hello. It is not easy to age in Hollywood as a lady, but I was really, really looking for something that kept me in Los Angeles. I want to be there to drop off my daughter. I want to be there to pick her up. I want to be there at soccer practice. I want to be there for all those things. And I don't want to be getting on a plane every week. And Jenna was like, me too. 
Me yeah. too. I want to do all we of that too. We had the same life goals. Mm-hmm. So we, we just were like, what is the job that we can do together mm-hmm. where we achieve this life that we want to live? That is drop-offs and pickups and soccer and all hockey and all of it. And how do I, we do it? How do we do it? And also, how do we dip our toe in it and know that we can do it? You know, because it's one thing to work together on a big show like we did and to be best friends. But we are full-on a business partners. We are. <laughs> we are in business together. And there is that thing of like, you know, my husband was like, how, how do you feel your friendship will weather this? And Lee like, asked me the same thing. Yes. He said, listen, I know you're best friends, but I mean... Working together. It's, you know, you're going to be business partners. Are mm-hmm. you worried at all about mixing business and friendship? Yeah. Well, and... I was not worried. I was not worried either because I said to Josh, I was like... Babe, I was like, I know this woman. That's Do you understand? What I, said. I know her. There's nothing that's going to surprise me here. Mm-mm. And there's already been things where I'm like, and back and forth where you're like, hey, you need to respond to this email. And I'm like, got it, on it. And then, and I've then been, you're like, you need to settle down. You, your, your anxiety yeah. is at an all-time high right yeah. now. You, it's going to be okay. You just had a spiral. It's good. We're good. You can lower the intensity, yeah. Jenna. Uh-huh. <laughs> So, but I, I didn't doubt it for a second, but it, it is interesting because we have not talked about it until this moment. I know. Both of our husbands, both of our husbands like, sort of warned us. Like, well, I think both our husbands know how much we need this friendship. And I think Lee would not want to pick up the pieces if anything happened here. I just think they both wanted us to not lose our friendship because Josh, Josh has said to me, I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I was just on the phone to Jenna for so long. Where were we? And he goes, no, I'm so glad. Get it out. Get all of that out so you and I can sit here quietly and watch like a show together. He's like thankful. Well, I think I don't remember how exactly we got the podcast idea. I think what happened, Jenna, is that you and I were going through all of our memorabilia. I was doing a spring clean. You love a spring clean. Yeah. And I found all these. You called me and said, you need to come over to my garage and look at these bins of photos and memorabilia that I found from the office. And we started just reminiscing and storytelling to one another. And and the 15-year anniversary of the office is coming up. And I actually, whenever Jenna and I get together, do an Insta story, whatever, people are like, please, like, will you guys do a podcast or a book or something? Do something. Oh, that might have been it. Yeah. It might have been someone saying, will you guys do a podcast? And I screen grabbed it and I sent it to you. And I was like, what do you think? And we were like, oh, that's that sort of version of a talk show that we've been talking about. Then that you have the whole thing of, well, what are we going to talk about? Mm -hmm. Like, what is the shape of this podcast? And we had a lot of conversations about that. Like, what's the hook? Yeah. Yeah. What what is, you know, what's our in to talking? And then Jenna was like, why don't, what, what feels so natural to me is like, where did we become best friends on The Office? So our podcast really is this sort of love letter to our fans, but also this is where our friendship started. This is where this amazing amazing like life anchor for each other happened and you sort of just go on the journey with us of becoming best friends and each week talking about the episodes of the office and our memories and our memories are so closely linked to one another because like we said earlier we really journeyed it together mm-hmm. well i will say this too there was a bit of business strategy here we did look into podcasts and we started both really researching podcasts and the different categories of podcasts and we noticed something we noticed that the rewatch podcast 
is a very popular little niche mm-hmm. in the podcast market. Like the West Wing has this rewatch podcast that is wildly so popular. popular. Mm-hmm. But what we noticed was there was not a rewatch podcast done by anyone who had ever been on the show that they were talking about. Yes. So I think what you guys are doing is just super smart. And so, you know, it's not, you didn't just like stumble into like, let's just talk into a mic. Like it's way smarter than that. I want to make sure that you get the credit for like seeing the strategy, seeing a gap in the market. I will tell you, one of the smartest people I have ever met is Jenna Fisher. She is a shrewd, amazingly smart businesswoman. If I have... I'm like tearing up. (laughs) It's absolutely true. If I have anything I question about my career or advice, I call Jenna. I mean, across the board, I call her. And I went to her with this sort of idea of like, what do we do with this memorabilia? And Jenna did a deep dive like no other. If you want someone to deep dive on the internet, you call Jenna. (laughs) And she came to me with stats and statistics and someone she thought we should talk to and like basically an amazing business plan. And then I sort of said what I thought was realistic for us and what was not. And Jenna really truly is the structure of this partnership And then I like to say I'm color commentary. (laughs) Um, But I think we both have really strong instincts. And we also know our our strengths and our weaknesses. And we're like learning to play into that. It has just been such a great, amazing, like women supporting women business partnership. Mm. I'm so proud of it. And I can't wait to see what else we do. I agree. And that's so nice of you to say all that stuff. And This partnership is so perfect, and I tell Lee all the time, I say, Angela is the partner I have needed. We will go further together Mm -hmm. than individually. And part of that is because Angela's right. I will show up to the meeting with Excel spreadsheets and all my statistics. Angela will walk into the meeting, and she'll learn all about the other person's life. She'll say, how are you? Good morning. This thing happened to me. She creates the social connections. Mm -hmm. So she's the social piece. And it's so meaningful. People love being in business meetings with us because she brings all the warmth. And that connecting with people, that for me, I'm so in my head about the business part that sometimes I forget to do that part. And every time she does it, it also helps me relax. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, yeah, let's listen to this story about this person's dog. This is funny, you know? <laughs> but, like, it wouldn't occur to me to get there because I'm so with my lists and my my checklists and all of those things. And so I'm always commenting to Lee, and I should comment to you more. I think just all the time, thank God for her. Thank God for her. Well, I do think there's a huge thing. I notice this with women all the time on the Internet that make it look effortless so like in the blog world or the podcast world or whatever who um it just looks like it is very natural to them and maybe it is maybe they're playing to their strengths but there's also savvy to it and I always want women to get more credit than like oh you didn't just stumble into being a humongo mommy blogger like there was business decisions made along the way you're being strategic and you're really listening to your audience and you're whatever it's not phony. I don't mean to imply that at all. It's just smarter than 
I think a, a general audience understands. And I see you both doing really smart things online. Um, and I texted you before to be like, what you're doing on Insta right now is so smart. Not that you're like, it's not calculating. It's just like you are really listening to your people. You're playing to your strengths and you have a business mind. And I like it when women own that and they're like, oh no, we're not just like giggling and we're not just like funny and somebody handed us this. Like we came up with a good idea and now we're executing it. That's right. We saw the opportunity. We had a great idea. We did the research. We did the homework and we understand our value in the marketplace and we have value. And that is like been so rewarding for us to see the support already from our fan base. It's just been amazing to us because Jenna and I have always believed, we've always believed in each other and in our partnership. And we have been undervalued and overlooked time and time again. And to be doing this and to feel like the support of our fan base that we've always known is there. I love our fans. I love our fans. They are tried and true. And I am so happy to be doing this with my best friend and doing this for them. And it's just, it's just really exciting. I'm really excited by it. And well, and they care. And they care. we care. Like we went in and we recorded a test episode mm-hmm. of one of our of one of the episodes of The Office. It was the basketball episode. So we did a a recording. And after we had done the recording and after we announced the podcast, I put on Twitter, hey guys, we want to know what you want to know. And what questions can we answer about the basketball episode, Mm -hmm. for example? And people wrote in all these questions. And I called Angela and I said, Angela, Angela, we answered the questions they wanted to know. I was so proud of us that we were going to deliver a thing that people wanted. Mm-hmm. And then there were a couple that we could that we hadn't answered. And I said, we need to get those answers. Yes. We need to give the people what they want. Absolutely. And I, it's exciting to me. Like, that's exciting to me to yeah. know if you're resonating and to make those connections. And it's something that we started very early on in the office. Do you remember MySpace? Oh, Jenna, you and I were like the pioneers. And BJ Novak. And BJ, we would blog. Did we, we call it, was it blogging? Is that what you call it? Yeah, we would blog on MySpace. But then we would live IM, was it called instant messaging, right? Mm-hmm. We would live IM mm-hmm. through MySpace with fans while we were in the background of scenes. Mm-hmm. We would say, okay, so you are currently in the background of a scene called healthcare, mm-hmm. and what's happening is this. So when you watch the show, know you were there on my yeah, computer. Yeah. We would do that with fans. I feel like we've had that desire to have that connection from the beginning. Mm -hmm. I find people fascinating. They're way more interesting than anything that can be fabricated to me. People are fascinating to me. I love their stories. I love to hear about them. And I think our show is going to be just all of that. It's going to be us talking about the office, us engaging with fans, us just relating to one another and our friendship and our story. And I really hope it grows into bigger things because I really believe in us. I hope so too. I feel like so much of the success of The Office, because it was a slow burn, Mm -hmm. we were not an instant success like friends or something. It took a few years before we were considered, like we all knew we were going to have jobs each year. In fact, maybe it's not just happening till now. (laughs) (laughs) But it was those, it were those diehard fans Mm -hmm. that kept us on the air. Like there were real grassroots kind of letter writing and some of that MySpace online support Mm -hmm. and all of that. So we, we really owe it to 
those people. And even now, today, all the new fans and everything. Yeah, I love it. We really mean that, too. We're not just saying that. No, it's it's absolutely true. It is it is our love letter. I didn't doubt you for one thing. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would just like to say, Laura, thank you so much for having us and for believing in like friendships and women and supporting them. And your podcast means so much to Jenna. She listens to it so faithfully. And then she calls me and tells me about it. And then is but like... But that's the point of the podcast. Yes. You're supposed to listen to it and then share it with a friend. That's what she's doing. Thank you for yes. following directions. <laughs> she absolutely loves it. And she calls me. And then we have huge conversations because of what you ignited in her. And I mean, if we can do that with one person, how amazing is that? Like, And then the, the, the ripple effect. And so... I just thank you so much, and I can't wait to like listen more and more. And um, I'm in my car all the time. I just need Jenna to set some things up on my phone. <laughs> I'm not very tech savvy. In fact, Jenna and I are going to do a video about how you subscribe to a podcast, and I'm going to subscribe to our podcast because <laughs> I'm not quite sure how. And my mom called me and told me she's watching our podcast on YouTube, and I was like, no, you're not, Mom. I don't know what you're watching, <laughs> but it's we're not on YouTube. Oh, good Lord. Well, sometimes I'll say to Laura about your podcast, everyone knows that you go away for the summers. And that has been hard on me, especially this last summer. She really missed you. She called and left me a message being like, (sighs) well, I was going to say, sometimes I listen to your voice. Like when I listen to your podcast, it's like I spent time with you. Oh, that is so sweet. And I like it. That is very nice. Thank you for saying that. That's super nice that you say that. and you've just listened to the 10 Things to Tell You podcast. You can find the show notes and subscribe to episode emails at 10thingstotellyou.com slash podcast. And you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at 10 Things to Tell You. Remember, this is an interactive podcast. I have 10 things to tell you and you have 10 things to tell. So take this topic to your journal or a friend or post on social media using the hashtag 10 things to tell you. These episodes are meant to bring connection with others and ourselves and spark better conversations. Thanks for listening. Now go share something.